Justin. Justin. I am sorry, but we must continue the work. I just need a minute. I'm sorry, Lucy. Do you have the next file queued up? Tell a sensation file queued and ready. Right. Please initialize the telesensation file. File initialized. Greetings and welcome to the audio etheric transmission, The Tales of Sage and Savant. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Lucy, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. If you want to learn more of the stories of Sage and Savant and the reasons why I record these broadcasts, you can pick up our book, Transmigrations, available on our website and everywhere books are sold. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com slash sageandsavant and become a supporter. This month's program, entitled An Ouroboros Exigency, features the music of Chip Michael. And now, without further ado, we bring you the tales of Sage and Savant. the alarm bells and the clattering fire wagons rushed back to the university only to find themselves stuck with a large mass of onlookers behind barricades hastily erected by the fire brigade. Forced to watch as the fire tears through the history department and climbs upwards and inexorably with ravenous appetite consumes the very heart of her research, Petra cries out but only Erasmus hears her anguish through the din of the conflagration. Oh no, my god! Our heroes are forced to stand, disbelief warring with anger, misery sparring with incredulity, and bear witness as everything they have worked for goes up in smoke. Oh, Erasmus! Your book! Never mind my book, your laboratory. It will be many days before they learn of the death of their friend. The history wing is a total loss, as is the glass-roofed laboratory above it. 
The connecting halls that lead to medical are likewise damaged, though the firemen have been successful in saving the majority of the science wing. Two days after the fire was extinguished, crews moved in to examine the wreckage, sift for any treasures that might have miraculously survived, and catalog the damage for the assurance claim. For our heroes, it is the discovery of a basket containing a clutch of highly indignant reptiles and the rational dress plus fours of a graduate that adds the hammer blow of personal tragedy to a loss that is already staggering. <gasps> oh, oh my God, not Abigail! Poor Mix and Twistle. She must have still been in the laboratory. Oh. It took many more days before a complete list of the missing and presumed dead is published. Across campus, purple and white crocuses are overtaken by obscenely cheerful yellow daffodils before that list is solidified into a formal roll of the dead. I can't, Lucy. I'm sorry. I need a break. Would you like a cup of tea, Justin? No. I would like a different outcome. That is not a logical request. Grief is not logic. It is emotion. I am human, and unlike you, I feel things! I'm sorry, Justin. Take what time you need and let me know when you are prepared to continue. I apologize, dear audience. I had that cup of tea as Lucy suggested, and time grows short, the timeline unstable. <clears throat> Petra requested to speak at the university memorial service for those lost in the fire, and on a perversely sunny May Day, she took the podium to do honor to her friend. <sighs> I first met Mix Abigail Entwistle under adversarial circumstances. Former provost James Cunningham was suspicious of my methods and determined that I should have a permanent observer to keep me in line. A lesser person would have entered that position as a tyrant or as a scold, but Mix Entwistle, however, looked at it as an opportunity of curiosity and collaboration. <clears throat> I could not have admitted this to our former provost, but Abigail reined me in. Her calm and considered manner, her insistence on following a logic trail to its terminus, her mastery of curiosity as a tool, not just a driving force, taught me to prioritize medical advance without cruelty, discovery without collateral. I'm not perfect at this. Medicine is, after all, a barbarous art, but that I manage in any way is a credit to Abigail Entwistle and not myself. Veterinary science has lost a light, a doctor with extraordinary gifts. King's College has lost a leader and a woman who is bound to bring honor to the institution. These things, though tragic, will be smoothed away by the passage of time. I, however, have lost a friend, and time will not ease that pain. Abigail, you were the best of us, and I shall mourn your passing to the end of my days. Sage and Savant clung to each other in their grief and guilt, and lived those intervening days as if wrapped in cotton batting. Eventually, however, they were forced by the post to emerge and face a landscape so altered it was nearly inconceivable.
My publisher, in light of the tragedy at King's, has extended my deadline until autumn. That is good. Do you think you can rewrite it from memory? Well, I've lost nearly all my research notes, but since you would move the Edison cylinders here, oh, I shall manage. I am nearly through transcribing them. I haven't been able to start on Abigail's yet. No, Pat. It's too soon. I don't want you to rush. Oh, look. There's a letter for you in this morning's post as well. From McNeish. <sighs> Better to rip the bandage off, I suppose. of the recent tragedy, the Board of Regents has decided that the application of Petronella Sage for Fellow is suspended until the autumn. Oh. Well, that's better than I expected. Still, it is a blow. I'm sorry, Pet. We should get away. A, a trip to the continent, perhaps. <gasps> I can't believe I hadn't thought of that. Oh, what is wrong with me? Erasmus, start packing. We're going to Paris. The city of romance? That would be nice. No, Paris. I still have a working transmigration apparatus there. But... Petra. I can transmigrate to the day of the fire. Stop Abigail from going uh, up to the laboratory to move the animals. Mm. Erasmus, why aren't you moving? There's no time uh, to waste. Petra, I I don't think. What? What don't you think? Saving Abigail. Changing history. I, I don't think it's wise. But Abigail is not a head of state, not a person of historic significance. Saving her won't change anything, really. It changes her life, her choices. How could you stop her? Uh, by telling her the laboratory is going to burn? Do you really believe she would stay away if she had a chance to save those creatures? She died for them. She would make exactly the same choice. Then we lie. Make up some other reason. Say we need her to come here to the townhouse. And when she finds out you lied and purposely left her animals to die, you would lose her all the same. Worse, you would lose her regard. Then we go back earlier. Move the creatures before the test with Sims. And change what other thing? <sighs> Petra, we don't understand enough about the mechanism of time. We cannot control it. We don't know the ramifications of any of the changes we might make. But Abigail didn't have to die. <sighs> Maybe she did. Maybe it was just her time. I don't buy that pseudo-religious fateful reasoning. There must be a way we can consider this through the lens of science using the tool of logic. Uh, but isn't that exactly what Loret du wants? To force change more in line with their desires? <laughs> We are not meant to be gods, Petra, and our science should never allow us to envision such a thing. But I miss her. I know, Pet. I miss her too.
anything? I would have roused you from your trance. But she might still show up, right? It was smoky. She was lightheaded. She would have had to set the date in the worst possible conditions. Which is why, even if she had managed to transmigrate, there was every possibility she would not end up here. One digit off, one slight miscalculation could create a trajectory centuries off. If Abigail transmigrated out of the conflagration, she could have gone anywhere. The empty shell in our stasis pod indicates she has not come here. I can task Ralph with searching the historical record for her. There might be some evidence, somewhere. Without an original artifact to entangle with, I am functionally unable to provide hope. And Ralph won't find her. If she did get out, she is no longer Abigail, but whatever personage she inhabited. I am sorry, Justin, but the best we can do is ensure Abigail's memory is kept alive and finish our work. We have three more files. <sighs> All right. Please initialize the telesensation file. File initialized. The next day, our heroes find themselves once again at the mercy of a provost with his backup. The investigation into the fire that destroyed the entirety of the history department and a third of science has turned up a rather damning piece of evidence. And the assurance investigators found this under the one working section of the Parmalee sprinklers. Parmalee sprinklers? Oh, I thought the college had inactivated those when they updated to the Grinnell sprinkling system. Well, yes, unfortunately. The Grinnell system was not yet online and most of the Parmalee had been removed. There was one section, however, that was still charged with water. It was not enough to stop the blaze, but it did manage to save this. He pulls his hand from behind his back and reveals a brick wrapped in water-damaged parchment. Look familiar. The same as was thrown into medical the afternoon of my fellow's board. Before the fire. They threw one into history as well. So far, we've found 22 bricks scattered across the campus. They all say the same thing. Transmigration for the people. Free Dr. Sage's research. The past and the future should be ours to explore. Publish now or else. <sighs> The assurance adjuster believes this brick caused the fire. You can't be serious. Deadly. The brick knocked an electrical lamp off a desk, breaking the wire. When a student came into the office later that evening and flipped the switch. The broken wire sparked. And those sparks had plenty of fuel, books, papers, artifacts packed in cotton. <sighs> I'm afraid, Dr. Sage, that this last proof of your indiscretion, the loss of student life, the emotional distress Dr. Sims underwent in your cursed experiment have left us no choice but to suspend you post-haste. <sighs> King's College cannot be held hostage by brick throwers or by scientists who will not act with decorum. Uh, I must ask you to surrender your keys and leave this property at once. Uh, you will receive a letter by post when we are ready to convene hearings to decide if you will be stripped of your doctorate. Fine. Is this the end of Petronella Sage's career ambitions? We'll find out after this short musical break. And now, dear friends, we invite you to listen to the talented expressions of our own remarkable composer, Chip Michael.
And now, back to our story. When we left our heroes, they were standing in the ashes of both King's College and dreams of scientific glory. A strangely subdued Petra returned to the townhouse and immediately began packing trunks. Clothes, hats, books, Edison cylinders, and lab readouts went into the great steamer trunks one by one. It was only when she laid out her traveling cloak and boots that Erasmus realized this was not the shock-induced packing away of her work. You're still planning on going to Paris? Yes. <laughs> but we've discussed. You cannot save Abigail. I know that. What we can do is see who threw the damn bricks, find Leoretta Tomps, and make them pay. If Erasmus has learned anything in his years of friendship with Dr. Sage, it is when she can be moved. This was not one of those times. We'll be on the Dawn packet boat then. And so they were. They passed the crossing in near silence, sharing only a few pleasantries at mealtimes and the like. Erasmus knew that Petra needed time with her thoughts. He imagined them to be full of self-recrimination and regrets, painful self-reflection and re-evaluation. He imagined an error. Petra wasted no time second-guessing herself, blaming the provost nor the college. In the board's place, she would have voted exactly the same, for suspension and investigation. How could they not? Her name had been written, bold as you please, on weapons of terror and murder. It was not a remorseful sage that landed in Calais and caught the mail coach to Paris, but a vengeful one. Before leaving King's, Sage withdrew the remaining funds from her research account. She reasoned that those funds had been provided by Le Chargé de la Faire, and therefore were technically supposed to be used for transmigration. She purchased the derelict house that hid her secret makeshift laboratory in the below-stairs kitchen, and went to work to set it to rights. Three days later, with only a few hours of sleep under her belt, Petra put the finishing touches on a pair of induction tables and a second traveling apparatus. Get in there, you bloated son of a poxy whore! It is done. There is no hydration system nor waste removal, but that can come later. Would they have those things at La Charge d'Affaires? To my knowledge, no. They did not transmigrate out from that location, only in. Calypso was anxious to have me build a system there, but we did not get it done. And so, we will do the best we can with the system we have. I presume we're off to King's the day of the fire? Not the day of the fire. Too much chance. We cannot predict what triage the bodies we inhabit will need, and it is best to pad our time by a few days to allow for contingencies. And, not to King's, too close to the campus, and we're likely to end up in cadavers in the science wing. That would invite too many questions. We will aim for the outskirts of the city. I know that mathematics has always escaped me, but it does seem like there are far fewer dial positions on this console. I do not have time to add the clockwork redundancies that rendered the entire system automatic in the home laboratory. Ah. The only automatic system we have now will be the recall system. Oh. I will have to trigger the outbound manually, as in the old days. Hmm. 
Petra, are you absolutely certain? That I can bear to see her alive once again? No, <laughs> but it is a chance I will have to take. I'll be at your side, my dear, or I assume I will be. We do at least have Faraday armor with resonators? No time to build resonators. We are just going to have to rely on our congruence to keep us together. It mostly worked in the beginning, yes? And as for Faraday armor, well, I cobbled this together. It is a bit primitive, but there's no time to wait for cloth of copper. Sorry in advance for the electrical burns. strange being at King's in different bodies. They had awoken in the bodies of a young couple dead of the flu. Their forms were pale, weak, and wobbly in the knees, but they were serviceable. After securing restorative fruit juice, eggs, bread, and cheese, and sleeping the clock around twice, they felt restored enough to venture to the college. The quad at King's is a green and graceful space. Manicured lawns and hedges, grand spreading oaks, neoclassic architecture on the surrounding buildings, and just a smattering of flower beds and rowan trees to add a spark of color. It is all tastefully arranged to give the impression of permanence and reliability, an illusion that will all too soon be shattered. Where to first? We need to try and find the brick throwers. I imagine that outside of the two windows we know as targets will be the best spots. The one by medical, the other by history. We split up then? Yes, it is our best chance to catch one of the perpetrators. Then we can take them to the townhouse and interrogate them. Interrogate? Oh, that's a bit strong, don't you think? <sighs> Just question, then. I advise we say there's going to be a party. No kidnapping required. Oh, that'll work if they're students. Students love parties. Uh, but what if they're not? Then we will have to improvise. Do you have your cudgel? And so the two split up, automatically heading to their respective wings. The hour of Dr. Sage's demonstration is rapidly approaching. Her former self would be putting the finishing touches on the apparatus and waiting for Abigail to arrive with the Faraday armor. As Sage rounds the corner to the medical wing, she bumps into a professor, sending him crashing to the lawn, his clutched armload of papers fluttering behind. <gasps> I beg your pardon. I'm so sorry. Let me help you up. Where is this fire you are running to put out, miss? What? Uh, oh, no, no fire. Why did you ask that? It is an expression, child. You must be more conceited in your trajectories in the future, no? Yes, I am sorry, terribly sorry, but I don't want to be late. Before Sage can disentangle herself from the professor of veterinary medicine, Abigail sprints around the corner, carrying an armload of Faraday armor. And another student in an unseemly hurry. Mix and facial, avert. Oh, Dr. Fierstein, I didn't see you there. Yes, that seems to be endemic today. I apologize again, Dr. Fairstein. if you'll excuse me. Sage quickly turns the corner to the medical building, her heart pounding. 
She checks her watch and realizes she has at least 20 minutes before the brick thrower arrives. So she stops, takes a deep breath to steady her nerves, and peeks back around the corner. Abigail has set the Faraday armor on the lawn and is helping her professor straighten his papers. Ooh, I know it is here somewhere. Ah, here, the very thing. We had planned to present this to you in a formal ceremony, but your assignment with Dr. Sage has eaten up all of your time as of late. I have been careful not to neglect any of my duties nor obligations to veterinary science. I just feel I owe Dr. Sage my services through the length of her fellowship application. After all, I was her laboratory assistant for nearly the entire of the research stage. Oh, quite right. I did not mean to imply a criticism, Mick Sandfischl. Your dedication is a good part of why we have chosen you in the first place. Chosen me? Yes, for the Burjula Award. <laughs> me? You're awarding me the top honor in veterinary science? Of course, my dear. There was no other candidate who comes close to your level of scholarship and dedication to animal welfare. The vote was unanimous. I am so honored. Thank you. <clears throat> of course, the award comes with a few stipulations. Stipulations? Well, expectations, really. The grant money is yours to use as you see fit, research, funding a practice, etc. But it is usual for the grantees to come on as adjunct here at King's, spend a year or two training up freshmen, oversee the stables and menagerie, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, yes! Yes, of course! I would love to! Thank you! Oh, oh dear. Uh, that's my signal. I, I must get these Faraday suits to Dr. Siege. Can I come by your office in the morning? I'd be delighted. Thank you again, Doctor. Abigail scooped up the Faraday suits and scampered into the medical building, her heart full. Everything was coming true for herself and for her friends. It was such a glorious day. Petra swallowed the lump in her throat and turned her attention to catching the brick thrower. A small malicious part of her wanted to race to the history wing and clobber the person who threw that brick. But Erasmus was right. They had no way of knowing what effect that action might cause. Would it prevent their friend's death? Stop the destruction of the fire? Or would it only lead to those things happening in an even more horrific manner? In the event, she followed the plan to an inevitable and dissatisfying conclusion. The perpetrators were all students engaged in what they thought was simply an elaborate prank. Each of them had found an envelope containing 50 crowns, a copy of the message, and instructions to wrap it around a brick and hurl it through a specific window. 50 crowns was a princely sum, and the students who had received the letter all bore one thing in common. They were rebels and troublemakers, iconoclasts and orphans. In short, the exact type who would not question the province of such riches, nor the morality of the proposition. A frustrated and still heartbroken pair returned to Paris, and from there went onward into the far future of 2146 to meet up with Wei Boyang. And so we are stuck. No real way to investigate what happened or who arranged for it. Calypso has disappeared, Le Charge de la Faire is shuttered, my laboratory is in ashes along with my hope of a fellowship, and Erasmus's book is lost as well. This is most distressing news. Miss Entwistle was a young woman of remarkable resiliency and character. You must feel her loss most keenly. That would be an understatement, Master. I remember meeting you in 1897. 
At the time, I could not understand the melancholia that had so affected you. I do remember being surprised and delighted to finally meet you in your own bodies. Where did this meeting take place? Paris. Hmm. Has that not happened for you yet? I do remember that you were wearing mourning colors. That must have been for your young friend. Ah. Uh, it was there that you turned over all of your Edison records to me. But if I gave my research to you, then why did I need to return here again and again over the last months teaching you my formulae? That is odd. Now that you point it out, my memory does not seem to match up. We distinctly decided that it was impossible for me to get the physical records to you, and that I would need to teach you the process in person, did we not? You are correct. I remember that clearly. I did not have your records, nor any manner to get them. And yet, I also now remember that I have kept your Edison cylinders, your journals, and the very large reports of all of your findings together in a vault under Paris for many years. Huh. Just yesterday, reports of flooding and looting came in from France. I realized I would need to retrieve those records or risk losing them. How odd. Well, it's not odd at all, considering transmigration. Obviously, we return to Paris, meet up with you, and give you the records. It is the best way to keep them out of the hands of the Radio Tom. And so the rudiments of a plan are hatched and the pieces drop into place. How Le Chargé de l'Affaire came into existence. How they came into possession of the very records that have opened this window into the past. What we do not know is how they will stop Le Zare du Temps and my head hurts. We should pause for a word. Hello, fellow travelers. We're coming to the end of a four-year journey following the scientific investigations of Dr. Petronella Sage. When the final drops later this month, we will have 50 total episodes of our incredible story. Thousands of fans have joined us along the way. Once the story is complete, thousands more will join and journey through time and space with Dr. Sage and Professor Savant. We're looking for a sponsor interested in reaching all the once and future fans of our show. One sponsor for all 50 episodes. We intend to keep the show free, and sponsorship is what makes that possible. If you're interested in reaching half a million fans over the next year, contact me at chip at sageandsavant.com. And remember, death is no barrier to science. And now, back to our show. Justin, come quick. Abigail is here. <laughs> Abigail? <coughs> I made it. Abigail, thank goodness. We were sure we'd lost you. I was sure you'd lost me too. There was so much smoke. Uh, oh, fire, the laboratory. Uh, Justin, do you know what happened? Is everyone safe? My creatures. Breathe easy. You saved the creatures. Here, sit up and catch your bearings for a bit. Let your mind grasp the fact that this body did not die from smoke inhalation. Die? I'm dead. Oh, damn. I shouldn't have given you the news that way. I'm, I'm dead. My body is dead. 
I'm stuck here? In this time? I'm sorry, Abigail. It's been two weeks. We all thought you were well and truly dead. I lost the connection, so I didn't see you transmigrate out. A fortnight? You all thought I was dead for a fortnight? What about Petronella? Erasmus? Uh, they buried you. Your body was found in the ashes, or at least your bones were, uh, wearing Faraday armor, which partly protected it and allowed him to identify you. But well, when you didn't show up here, I mean, we, we, we assumed you hadn't completed the sequence. The laboratory was full of smoke. My eyes were streaming tears that burned like acid. It was difficult to see the settings. If I might suggest a cup of tea. Tea would be life-saving, thank you. So, it is gone. Everything. Petra's laboratory, her chances at fellowship, everything? She has been suspended, but the members of the committee still have her compiled research paper. They might reinstate her after. It is all just on hold for now. I still have one more series of files to review. For all we know, Petra managed to convince the committee after all. Justin? Yes? Did you know about her? I mean, before Le Charge de l'Affaires, before this job, had you heard of her, of transmigration? No, I guess not. Wouldn't it be logical to think that she failed then? History has a hard enough time crediting successful results to the correct scientist, especially when that scientist is a woman, but it never records the unsuccessful or dead-end investigations. That's not true. We know a lot about Failed attempts at aviation, for example. Ah, but that's different. That is an objective that many people are attempting to conquer at once. Who else had the idea of using electricity to facilitate consciousness transfer from one body to another? No one. Right. So what do I do now? This body is yours for all intents and purposes. Unless you are unhappy with the gender. Gender never bothered me much. But what do I do? I have no place in this time. Your body has a place. Young Ash Collins is a very promising zoologist at the Lake Recondite Animal Sanctuary. <laughs> did you did you say this body's name? That, the, my name is Ash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that cannot be coincidence. It's just too good. <laughs> oh, but we should change your last name to Phoenix. <laughs> From the ashes, I rise! Or in your case, from ashes to ashes. <laughs> oh, we're sorry, Lucia. It is just surreal. Humans are strange. Things strike you funny when you're grieving, I suppose. Only now I don't have to grieve. You're alive. Dr. Sage is alive. I've never wished harder for the ability to communicate through time. If only I could tell her you are here and safe. Could I see? Um, could I watch the file that, that shows... Your funeral? The doctor's reaction? I don't know. Lucy, do you think we can allow that? I believe we are at a point of making our own decisions, Justin. White Bayon has instructed me to trust your judgment on completing the task. If you tell me that it is necessary for Mix and Whistle, Mix Collins, to review any file, then I shall fulfill that request. I would like that. 
Make it happen, Lucy. And so I took a couple of days, replaying files, filling Abigail in on the blanks of her knowledge, showing her what I knew of Calypso and how the body that was supposed to serve as a blank for Weiboyang to front Le Chargé de la Faire had somehow been co-opted by another person and now had gone rogue. There are three transmigrationists currently unaccounted for. My friend Day is among them. I do not like suspecting her of being the agent in the past, but she is the daughter of Damien Ferguson. Abigail, you were the best of us, and I shall mourn your passing to the end of my days. It is strange being a fly on the wall at your own funeral. Congratulations on your award, though. It must feel good knowing that your hard work paid off. Not exactly. At least, not in a way that I can capitalize on. Yeah, I suppose so. Sorry. This is just never not going to be weird, is it? I believe you are underestimating the human capacity for embracing change, Ash. Your brain is a remarkably flexible instrument that will quickly come to see any routine action as normal. As you establish your routine here in your new life, your thoughts and emotions will react accordingly. Thank you, Lucy. I guess that is comforting. After some discussion, we agreed that Abigail, Ash, should stay in the bunker for the time being. Lucy worked a little magic with his employer at the zoo and concocted a university course that would explain his absence and allow for him to take up his position once the course finished. And now there is just one last file cluster for me to review and discover what happened to Dr. Petronella Sage. Will she succeed in stopping Lazare du Temps? Will they redeem transmigration in the eyes of her colleagues? Will she finally earn her fellowship? We'll find out in the next episode of The Tales of Sage and Savant. The Tales of Sage and Savant is a Twin Star production, brought to you on the first of each month from our Southern California studios. Starring Eddie Louise as Sage, Chip Michael as Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Ash, and Justin Bremer as the narrator. Soundtrack music, sound design, and audio engineering by Chip Michael. The theme song for season four was interpreted and recorded by Victor and the Bully. Special music in this episode was composed by our own Chip Michael. Find more of his music at soundcloud.com slash chipmichael. Episode 410 Part 1, An Ouroboros Exigency, was written by Eddie Louise. Check out our website, sageandsavant.com, to find the facts behind the fiction. If you like our show and would like to help us do what we do, go to patreon.com slash sageandsavant and become a supporter. Finally, as always, we urge you to remember that death is no barrier to science.